Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much for um, resisting the temptation to go to the beach. And you've come to church, so welcome. You'll get more than a tan in here. Let me add my welcome to that of Dan. If you're visiting this morning, um, a really special welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for being here wherever you are at on this journey of life. You may not yet be a follower of Jesus. You may have questions about God. Welcome to church. I want you to know this is a safe place and a good place to be. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I pray that you will encounter Jesus today. Things will change in your life. God's word will impact you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to join with me as I pray. And then we'll turn to God's word. Father God, by your Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and presence yourself with us in these moments. God, I ask that your Spirit will reveal to us the truth of the Word of God. I pray that your Spirit will speak deeply into our hearts. You will bring hope where we need hope. You will bring strength where we need strength. Holy Spirit, lift our eyes from our own circumstances, whatever they are, and help us today by your grace to focus on the amazing God we believe in. Come Holy Spirit, and through your words, speak into our lives. We invite you now, in the name of Jesus, we agree together and we say, Amen. One of my um, favorite authors is Eugene Peterson. And he tells an amazing and wonderful story about himself and his dog. Do we have any dog lovers in the house? Do we have any cat lovers in the house? Well, not even go there, okay. This is a story about a dog. Eugene owned a dog who had a fondness for large bones. They lived, thankfully, in a forested, the forested foothills of Montana in the United States. And often the dog in his rambles in the forest would come across the carcass of a deer, would take a bone, and would return home with his trophy. He was a small dog, and often the bone was as big and sometimes even bigger than he was. Could we have the first slide up, um, Abby? That would be really good, just to... Wet your appetites. There we go. This is not his dog. This is a, this is a, anybody got this kind of a dog? If you have that kind of a dog, I want to be your friend. <laughs> and so Eugene would watch as his dog came back with the bone. This is what he writes. Our dog would prance playfully before us with his prize, wagging his tail, proud of his find, courting our approval. But after a while, he would drag the bone off 20 yards or so to a more private place, usually the shade of a large moss-covered boulder, and he would go to work on the bone. He gnawed on the bone. He turned it over. He licked it. He totally enjoyed it. And sometimes we would hear a low rumble or a growl. Now, cats purr. But a dog, when he's enjoying his bone, growls. Not in an angry way, but in a very contented way. Can, you, can I hear you growl this morning? 
like you're contented and you're having a bone. Let me hear you growl. That's laughing, no, growling. It sounds like, come on, with me. Okay. We need to work on our growling. And he would hear the dog growl just in pure pleasure. The growl was saying, I am enjoying this bone, and I'm not in a hurry. One day, Eugene is reading his Bible. He comes across a verse in Isaiah 31, verse 4, and it says, As the lion growls over his prey, and he thinks, my dog growling over his bone, a lion growling over his prey. But here's the gem. Eugene noticed that the word for growl in the Bible is translated meditate. The word growl is translated meditate. So here is Psalm 1. If we can have it up on the slide, that would be great. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the word of God on which he, dog with a bone, meditates day and night. That's the heart of what the Bible means when we talk about meditating on God's word. We're in our second week of this series called Closer. Last week we thought of the idea of pause and slowing down. And this week we're talking about biblical meditation. Guys, this morning, I believe that this is the word of God. I said, I believe that this is the word of God. I believe this is inspired by God. Every word, it is inerrant. It is full of truth. It can be trusted. And I need to learn to be like a dog with a bone and get into this word. Or rather, that the word gets into me and changes me. One of the most striking images throughout the Bible related to what I've just said about meditating is this concept of eating. Several times God says to his followers, eat this book. Eat this book. So I want to encourage you this morning that you move perhaps from simply snacking, that you even move from simply reading, and you begin to feed on this and eat this book with the attitude of a dog growling, not in anger, but in contentment. I'm not going to rush this. I'm going to get everything out of this word of God. Eat this book. Can I have an amen? Are you with me? I've got three very simple questions we're going to unpack as we think of what it is to meditate, what it is to eat this book. What does it mean? And why why should we do it? And very practically, we'll finish with how we can meditate. I brought with me this morning my Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen one. <laughs> now listen, okay? I'm with it. I've got apps. I've got stuff on my iPad. I know. Can I strongly recommend that you get a Bible if you don't have one like this thing? 
Have you ever seen one? And you begin to read it, meditate on it, and let it get into your heart and your soul. I'm going to read from the Psalms, two different Psalms, and I want you to listen along and read the words behind me. Here's Psalm, the very first Psalm. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his, her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 77. This is written by Asaph. He's a worship leader. But he's struggling. Hands up if you ever struggle in your walk with God. Anybody? Come on, if you haven't got your hand up, you're just telling lies. Here's Asaph, a man of God, but he's struggling. Listen to what he says. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. The word we looked at last week. Pause. Think about that. And then Asaph says in verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And to God's word we say together this morning. Amen? Let's think about meditating, about eating this book. What is biblical meditation? Meditation actually is something that we all do. Because, hands up, if you ever, ever worry. Worry is a form of meditation. It's an unhealthy form. You turn over in your mind negative thoughts and the worst outcomes, and you worry. We're all familiar with that. The Bible, the authors are familiar with a different type of meditation, biblical meditation. There are two key Hebrew words we'll talk about, some of them later on. And almost 60 times the Bible authors are saying, meditate, eat, be like a dog with a bone. Here are the key thoughts behind the Hebrew words in Scripture to this thought of meditation. Meditation means to listen carefully, 
to reflect deeply, to rehearse internally. It means to intentionally remember, to call to mind, to ponder. It means to be like a dog with a bone. It means to eat this book and internalize it. I think I need to just point out that there is a world of difference between Eastern meditation and biblical meditation. In Eastern meditation, you're sitting on a mat quite often in the lotus position and you empty your mind and withdraw. The Bible says we don't empty our mind, we fill our mind and we engage. Can I have an amen on that? We fill our mind and we engage with life, with God, with people. We eat this book and we embrace life and the people around us. The key point from all that I want to say this morning is this. Jesus' followers Live by the word of God. Let me say it one more time. Jesus' followers live by the words of God. Man does not live by our croissants alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to live in this book. If you don't eat this book, remember I'm talking about more than reading, I'm talking about eating. If you don't eat this book, if you only snack on a Sunday, and it's good to be here and to be fed, and I trust by God's grace I will feed you this morning. But if that's all you do, if you're just snacking, if you're not meditating and internalizing God's word, you will be at best a weak Christian. You'll be fragile. You will be very easily deceived. And when trouble comes, you will be paralyzed. But if you meditate on this book, if you eat this book, like a dog with a bone, delighting in it, growling. I suggest that if you're growling when you're reading the word of God, do it quietly, at least quietly, but on your own. Otherwise, your neighbors may really wonder about you. But if you meditate on this book, if you growl and go at it like a dog with a bone, if you savor it and steep your mind in it, you will be like a strong tree. Let's have the picture up, Abby, of the tree. That's what you will be like. Amen? You're tired of being fragile. Tired of being knocked down. The Word of God says if you meditate on the Word... Psalm 1, you will be strong like a tree planted by streams of water and you will bring forth fruits and your leaf will not wither even in the drought and you will be productive in your life for Jesus. 
Let me just say something that I think is really important at this point. This whole thought of meditation, why we agree that it's important and God is teaching us that, it must be in my mind and in my heart and in my actions, it must be intentional. It's not passive. I do something, I engage with the word of God. Psalm 1 verse 2 and 3 His delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates, how often? Day and night to become like that tree. I want to encourage you this morning not to coast through life. Not to snack. I want to encourage you by God's grace to be intentional perhaps even to be radical and go after this word and get the word into you. I promise you, God promises you, it will change your life. Let me just talk about two outcomes from meditation. As you meditate, as you eat this word, as you internalize it, It will show you who God is. Psalm 77 that we've read, the Psalm of Asaph. Did you hear how he's struggling? God, you've changed. You're not the God you used to be. Where is your love? Have you forgotten me? Have you shut down your compassion on me, God? Why do I suffer like this? And then Asaph intentionally says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder your work. I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God's? And his perspective has changed and he lifts his eyes and begins to see in his struggles that God has not changed. Can I say to you this morning, no matter how emotionally drained you feel and how perhaps disconnected from God you feel, God has not changed. I said God has not changed. There is no shadow of turning in him. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the unchanging, consistent, faithful, full of grace God. And when my emotions disconnect, I need to meditate. I need to call to mind, God, I'm struggling. I don't sense your love. I will call to mind what you have done. And as I do that, I will begin to see who you are. And as you do that, as you meditate, it begins to change your perspective on your circumstances. I can't count the number of times in my life as a follower of Jesus I have been in tough places. Times when I have questioned God. Times when, to be honest, I've doubted, God, where are you? I need you. My family needs you. And in those moments, 
And at times it's a season. I intentionally turn to the word of God. And I seek by God's grace to call to mind the wonders that God has done in the past. And most often, I'll open my Bible, either in the Psalms, or very often, I'll read the story of Jesus on the cross again. And suddenly my perspective changes. And I'm doubting, God, where are you? Where is your compassion? Do you not understand? And as I meditate, and as the word gets into me, I stand in amazement before the cross. And I see that God loves me so much that he gives his son. And I stand and I ponder the cross and the love of Jesus for me. Jesus loves me. He dies for me. And I begin as I internalize that to move from a place of doubt and slowly by God's grace to a place where I say, God, you haven't changed. And God, now, I trust you again. May that be your experience when you hit the rough patches. Because I can promise you, you will hit the rough patches. But in those rough patches, will you please make a vow before God that you'll get down on your knees, you'll be like a dog with a bone, and you'll go after this word, God, speak to me. And as you do that, your perspective on your circumstances will change. Can we say amen to that? Let's think about why we should meditate. We thought about what it is. We're going to think about why we should do it. I think God has designed us and created us very different from cats. Okay? Now, I've no issue. Well, I do have an issue with cats. That wouldn't be true. So, okay. If you love cats, God loves you. But I think we need to understand there's a difference. I've never seen a cat meditate. Now, they might purr, and they, but I don't think they're meditating for the good of their soul because they don't have a soul. I'm sorry, cat doesn't have a soul. I'm sorry. And I think God has made us as human beings in his likeness with this distinctively human trait that we can stop and think and ponder, choose something over in our minds and hearts, look at it from different angles and seek to make sense of it. Here are a couple of reasons why I believe we should meditate. The first is this. Human thinking is flawed. Human thinking is flawed. Now, I have absolute respect for many in this room and others that I know who are gifted intellectually and have great minds. And thank God for people in the NHS who have done so much. But I am not called to meditate on human wisdom. 
I'm called to meditate on the word of God. Listen to what Paul says about human wisdom. Talking of humanity, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. Human thinking, even the best human thinking, is flawed. Our minds are damaged because of sin. And so when I meditate, I'm meditating on the flawless word of God, not on human wisdom. So I should meditate because human thinking is flawed. I should meditate because God's wisdom makes us wise. Hear what the psalmist says in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Say that with me. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And as followers of Jesus, listen to this. By God's grace in bringing us to God through Jesus and his spirit dwelling in us, we can have the mind of Christ. I said we can have the mind of Christ. Thank you. That is awesome. Whatever my struggle, whatever problem I'm facing, as I meditate and internalize the word of God, I can have the mind of Christ on this. Amen? Why should we meditate? It brings health to our souls. It's just good for us. When my soul is healthy, as I meditate in God's word, my will, my mind, and my body are integrated. They are well. And when I stop to meditate, my soul becomes unhealthy. And there is a disintegration of mind and of will and of body. Let me give you two examples to show what I'm trying to say. Joshua suddenly brought into key leadership of the people of God. How will he lead well a nation when he's so young and doesn't have much experience? By meditating on the word of God. Keep this book of the law, God says to Joshua. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on this. Keep your soul healthy. And the negative example, David in the Old Testament, It doesn't say in the Bible, but I know 
on the day when King David was coasting. He was not meditating. He was taking things for granted. His guard was dying. He wasn't sharp. He wasn't focused. And he sees a beautiful woman. And his mind says, go for her. And his will said, yeah. And his body said, yes, please. And David's soul fell apart in that sin. I guarantee he did not start his day meditating on the word of God. Because if he had internalized the word of God, he would never have got into that position. Keep your soul healthy, meditate on the word of God. However, Psalm 51, which shows me two things. That when I sin, it is of the utmost seriousness before Almighty God. But that the same God against whom I have sinned is full of grace. I said the God who I have offended and sinned against is full of grace. Put your hands together, please, and thank God for his graciousness, even when your soul's not healthy because you've forgotten to meditate. Why should we meditate here? Just some bullet points. Are you ready? This is going to be quick fire. You ready? Put your hands up. Give yourself a shake. Say hello to your neighbor. Okay, and we're ready for some quick fire. Why we should meditate. Everybody's doing what I'm, I don't know. Okay, here we go. Why should we meditate? Here's some bullet points. You should meditate on the word of God because it points you to Jesus. You may be here in church this morning, and I thank God you're here, but you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Please let me say to you with all sincerity and with deep love and compassion for you, you need to do more than just read the gospel or the word of God. You need to find Jesus in the word of God. And you can come on an Alpha course, and I have watched people come and go, and they would have got an A plus had there been an Alpha exam. There isn't one, so don't worry. And they knew everything we'd gone through, but they had not encountered Jesus. I pray that this morning you encounter the living word, which is Jesus. Not just know stuff, but be saved by the living Jesus. Why meditate, it leads us to worship God. Lifts our soul. I find what I'm made to do. I enjoy God. Anybody enjoy God? You meditate, you see who he is, and you go, wow, I'm a dog with a bone. God, you're amazing. Why meditate? It guides you. Guides you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Meditate and God will guide you. Meditate and it will impact you on the front line. By that I mean where you study, where you work. 
when you're at home as a single parent. And as you meditate on the word of God, it will impact where you spend most of your life. It will give you insight. It will give you understanding. It will give you maturity beyond your years. Please do not misinterpret. I'm not saying that you don't need to study for exams. You can't turn up for your final exam and go, God help. You're still supposed to study. But as you meditate on this word, it gives you wisdom beyond your years. It gives you insights into problems at work that your neighbors and friends don't have. Tell me, who in this room knows the most about finance? Now all the financial people are going, hands up if you work in finance. God loves you. Who knows the most about finance? You need to get a theology of work. You need to understand that God knows more about finance than you. You need to understand his precepts. And you need to bring those into the workplace. Who knows more about art? God. God is creative. God loves the arts. And if you move in that domain, meditate on his words. Let the Spirit of God inspire you in your creativity. If you're a nurse, meditate on the word. Bring it into your heart, into your soul, and then live it out on the words. If you're a parent, hands up the parents. We need wisdom. I've been parenting for a long time. And right now in my parenting, I'm going, God, I don't know what to do. And I turn to this. And I meditate and I let it get into me. And I seek to parent by the precepts of God's word. Can we say amen to that? So wherever your front line is, bring it in to your heart and live it out where you are. Meditate because it brings health to your emotions. Meditating on God's word brings health to your emotions. We've already looked at Psalm 77. And I love the Psalms because you can read one Psalm where David or someone is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and praise God. And then the very next psalm, God, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? And those psalms reflect our lives. And I know in my own life when my emotions go up and down and when I am in danger of being overcome by emotions, I need to meditate. It's good for my emotions. Brings health, brings balance, brings healing, brings hope. And releases me in praise. Can we say amen? Amen. Come on, people, say amen. Amen. This is good for your emotions. Meditate on it. Eat it. It challenges my lifestyle. You can't meditate and internalize and eat this word and not result in something called holiness. 
May we have men and women in our church who are holy men and holy women of God. We need to meditate on the word. And if God's word says you need to change something, then you do it because it's for your good. You meditate because it renews your thinking. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will understand what God's will is. It renews my thinking. I pray this morning that in all of these domains, that you leave with a hunger to do more than snacking. You go with a hunger to do more than just reading. But you'll begin to cultivate the God-given, gracious discipline of meditation. Eat this book. My last question is, can you remember what my last question is? I talked about what meditation is. I talked about why. How. And you can say how in whatever accent you want. I'm going to say it in my head. Hi. How do we meditate? Okay. Just wanted to say something before the next point, and it's this. I'm aware of friends of people in my family who are followers of Jesus, but who struggle to read. And sitting down reading written words is really difficult for them. And that may be you this morning. I'm really thankful that in our day and age, there are many ways you can hear the word of God. And if sitting down and reading is really, really difficult, maybe even impossible, then get apps and download the Bible and listen to the word of God. God can speak to you through an app when his word gets into your heart as you listen to it. Say amen to that. So please hear me. I'm being careful here in what I say. There are ways for you to hear the word of God. Okay, I want us to do something this morning very briefly. We are going to meditate on the word of God. Are you ready? Okay. But I want to show you the difference between what I think the Bible talks about reading and meditating. Let's bring up the verse, Psalm 34, verse 5. Okay, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Thanks, Abby. Okay. What do you retain from that verse? Possibly not a lot. But often you read the Bible like that, you just read it. And if I asked you, what have you just read? You wouldn't be able to tell me. Because you just read. Now hold that thought with the next one. Thanks, Abby. Let's meditate. I want to ask you, quietly, on your own, to dwell on each word. Look at it from different angles. Eat this word. Get it into your soul. This is not about something that you're going to share with somebody else. This is what God wants to say to you in this moment. So for two or three minutes, we're just going to be quiet. Okay, you with me? And I just want you quietly 
on your own to meditate on Scripture. Think about every word. Let your mind by the Holy Spirit go elsewhere to other Scriptures. Let's meditate. Let's eat this word. Amen. I trust you're beginning to taste the difference between reading and meditating. Three very practical things on how you can meditate. You need to have a plan. I guarantee that while you may have said amen to a lot of things this morning, unless you have a plan for tomorrow morning, you will not be meditating on God's word. You need to have a plan. That plan looks like this. When? Tell me, when tomorrow are you going to meditate on the Word of God? If you're not a morning person, God still loves you. It's fine. Mornings are my best time after an Americano. When's your best time? When are you going to do this tomorrow? It may even be at work. You just need to get away and meditate. Somehow, you need to make a plan that tomorrow you will meditate. What do you need to change? When will you meditate in God's Word? Second question is where? You might meditate at home before you go out. You might meditate at work, as I've said. But somehow in life at home or through the day, you need to make a space where it's you and God. And you open the word of God. And you close out all distractions. And you begin to meditate on the word of God. You need to think of where you can do it. Very practically, let me say this. Genesis says that in the beginning there was chaos and that the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos and brought order. Hear my heart. I think in our multimedia-driven age, there is a lot of chaos and a lot of distraction. And the Spirit of God, listen to me, here's a prophecy. (laughs) The Spirit of God has hovered over our social media age and said, I give you flight mode button." And God said, let it be good, and it was good. You will not meditate and internalize the word of God unless on your device you hit flight mode button because your emails will come in, your Facebook feeds will come in, and you will be distracted. Can I have a quiet amen on that? God said it was good that there was a flight mode button. Use it. When, where, how? You might have a plan that you follow, takes you through the whole of Scripture in a year. All I know is that tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, whenever you're going to meditate, you need to know where you're going to read. You need to have something prepared tonight. Listen, very practically, 
the evening before my morning, mornings when I meditate, I leave my Bible, I leave my devotional book, and I leave a book in which I write thoughts. And I leave them mostly in the same place every night so that in the morning when I get up, I'm not going, where's my Bible? Have you seen my devotional book? Where's my notebook? They're there, they're ready. I open it. The date is today, and here are the two passages I'm going to read. You need to have a plan. And when you go for that plan, you will discover amazing things about God. And your life will be better. And you'll be a better parent and a better worker in wherever you work. But you need to have a plan. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone in this room this morning, by the power and grace of your Holy Spirit, will not just say, yeah, meditating is a good biblical idea, but that God, they will each now intentionally make a plan for tomorrow. And that God, over these weeks and days and months, we will become increasingly a people who are saturated in and by the living word of God. Holy Spirit, equip us. Give us the discipline for tomorrow that we each will meditate on your living word. And together we agree as we say, amen. Let's hear it for our amazing God. Because this God, this, this God is so gracious that he gives me a written word, speaks to me. So it's time to stop snacking and it's time to feast.